Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy. Now let's get into this message now. Uh, I've been doing a series by the grace of God and the series is called 21 Truths to Live a Breakthrough Life. 21 Truths to Live a Breakthrough Life. You know, it came to me as a question when Benji and Michelle left for Japan, Osaka to be more specific, uh, to plan, to help us plan a church there in Osaka. And a question came to me, Pastor, when missionaries go out, uh, when people go out to serve like this, uh, do you have like a top three advice you would give to them? Uh, And I meditated on this and I came up with the top three. But as I meditated on it more, I had another three and then another three, and then it went on to 15, and then it went on to 21. And it stopped there for a while, and I thought to myself, God, when is it that I can share these truths and these thoughts with your church? And the Lord says, do it in January 2021. So 21, year 2021, there are 21 truths and thoughts that I would like to share with you. And I already gave you, by the grace of God, the first six. And let me just quickly review them with you. Uh, Number one, The first and the highest one, the top of the top is, here we go, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, soul and strength. Okay? And we went through that the very first Sunday of this year. Number two is to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That's number two. Number three is to serve the Lord your God, with all your heart. We learn from Colossians, whatever you do, do it unto the Lord heartily, with your whole heart. Amen. Now, then last Sunday, we did the next three. So number four is to always put God first in everything. All right? The fifth one is to always prioritize your quiet time. Some people call it devotional time with the Lord. That's very, very important. If you miss that, uh, you miss big time, okay? And a lot of people don't know why they can't finish the day with victory, why they can't, you know, finish the day with strength, why they feel so tired by the end of the day, why they feel so, you know, lost by the end of the day. Well, it's the quiet time that you need to have and I pray and I trust that you will know how important giving God the first thing in the morning is. Okay, so the number six uh, point, uh, the top three, uh, well, Top three times two, okay? The next top three, uh, the number six of the next top three is to always only give God our best. And it begins with giving God our all, all right? So that is the top six. And now the next top three, I'd like to give it to you. But before I give that to you, I'd like to remind you about the scripture that I shared with you uh, on day one. It's found in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. Paul says, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I have kept the faith. So, so this is the underlining scripture for all that we are trying to say. I'm passionate about this scripture because I'm passionate about all of us finishing this race and keeping the faith. Now, why is it called the good fight? It's called the good fight because it's the fight of faith. Yes, every morning we wake up, we wake up to a life of faith. Every night we sleep, we sleep to a sleep of faith. Every day we are being challenged in our faith. The enemy wants to destroy our faith. But God seeks to build our faith. Because the Bible says very clearly, I believe it's found in uh, uh, 1 John uh, 5, 4, that this is the thing that has overcome the world. That is our faith. Our faith has overcome the world. So it's so important and so powerful and so dynamic that the enemy wants it. He wants us to finish his race losing our faith. Remember how we have watched, you know, uh, the uh, 4 by 100 meters race uh, in the Olympics. Remember how, you know, you rooted for your favorite team and that that, that could have been America, USA or Jamaica. You remember the fastest team is not always the team that wins. Remember, they have to finish the race with the baton in hand. They had to pass the baton correctly, pass the baton within the limited space uh, 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 and, 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 you know, within the law 
of where and when they can pass the baton. And usually the fastest team or the team that should have won but didn't win, they usually falter at the passing of the baton. To me, the baton is like that faith. If we are to finish, we must finish having uh, uh, held that, that baton in our hand and finish it with that faith in our hand. Now, some people drop that baton along the way. They might, they might finish first, touch the tape, the finishing line, and yet be disqualified because they must finish this race with that baton, the baton of faith in hand. And so, Paul is saying, I must fight this good fight and I have fought uh, the good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. Last week, I spoke to you about Abel and why Abel gave a better gift uh, to God than his brother Cain. And I want to revisit that with you uh, because I didn't give you the scripture the last time we met, but I want to give it to you now. Hebrews 11 verse 4 says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks, so what was it that caused Abel to offer a better sacrifice? What was it that caused Abel to give God first fruit? First, uh, uh, um, uh, it was the firstborn of his flock. What is it that causes us to give God our best and our all? It is faith. Everything is about faith. And that's why the Bible says, live by faith and not by sight. I want to say it again and not sound boring. Uh, it is the fight of faith. It is the race of faith. It is, you know, that we finish this race keeping the faith. So everybody, are you with me? Uh, it's all about faith. We cannot do anything of these that I've just said to you without faith. The Bible says, without faith, faith, it is impossible to please God. Amen. So let me give you the top three now. The next top three, I should say, and let's begin with the next point. Point number seven. Point number seven tells you never stop believing. Never stop believing. So you know, if I had to advise uh, Benji and Michelle, by the way, Benji reminded me this morning that there is Japanese fellowship at 2.30 this afternoon, okay? So all of you who are committed to the Japanese fellowship, Benji and Michelle are still committed to it even though they are in Osaka. Uh, so tune in, okay? 2.30 this afternoon uh, and uh, I'm sure you have the link by now. If you don't have the link, then please get in touch with Benji. He'll give you the link. Uh, so my advice to Benji and Michelle to know and believe that they would succeed in Osaka is the first six, right? The first six is love the Lord, your God, with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Uh, serve the Lord with all your heart. Make sure you put Him first in everything. Make sure, you know, uh, you prioritize your quiet time. And make sure you always only give your best to God. But then I will continue to say, Benji, Michelle, never stop believing. Never stop believing. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 13 verse 7. The Bible says, and this of course is the chapter on love. And here it says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Did you know that scripture was there? Believes all things. We love the fact that love is patient. Love is kind. You know, love is this and love is that. We love, we love, we love reading uh, 1 Corinthians 13, the chapter on love. But many of us skip through verse 7 and especially this part that says love believes all things. And I have found that the problem with our lives, even as believers, is that sometimes we can actually stop believing without knowing. But believing is so key. In fact, it is the key that opens the doors of opportunity. It is the key that opens the doors to blessing and breakthrough. Never stop believing no matter what people say around you, no matter how people change around you. Uh, don't look at men. Don't look at women. Look at God. Jesus said, you know, to Thomas, Thomas, why did you not believe? You know, Thomas wasn't there when Jesus came and met his disciples. And then when he came, the disciples told him, we met the Lord, He's alive. This is when Jesus died and was resurrected, right? He came and visited His disciples. 
The door was closed, everything was shut, but Jesus, nothing could stop him. And he walked into the presence of his disciples, the apostles. And Thomas wasn't there, but when he was there, he was told that we saw the Lord and he didn't believe it. He said, unless I put my finger to his side, unless I put my finger to the, 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 the nail imprints of his hands, I will not believe. And when Jesus finally came, he says, Thomas, here is my side. Put your hand at my side. Here are my hands. Come on, Thomas. And I think Thomas must have been so embarrassed. Thomas must have felt so ashamed for not believing. And then Jesus went on to say, Thomas, do not be unbelieving. And, and Jesus didn't even make any conditions. He didn't say, oh, believe when this happens. Don't believe when that happens. There was no condition to believe or unbelieve. He, he just says, don't be unbelieving. You see, love causes us to continue to believe. And God is love. And God believes. How many times have we failed God? But still, He believes in us. Amen. So we must also not have unbelief in our hearts. Don't let unbelief come so easily into our hearts, but believe. This church has a mission and a motto. And it simply says, helping people believe. Why did I make this into a motto? Why did God give it to me to make it into a mission statement in this church? Because if you can just start believing, things happen when we start believing. But when we have unbelief in our hearts, when we stop believing the way we used to believe, that's when things start to slow down and maybe even come to a halt. That's when God's blessing began to slow down and breakthroughs began to hide itself behind some dark corner. You know, but belief is the one that brings us into that place where we stand to be blessed and to experience breakthrough. I want you to know that Abraham believed. Abraham believed God and the Bible says it was accounted to him for righteousness or as righteousness. That means Abraham received righteousness into his account just by believing. You know, he was already very old and his wife was already very old but God promised him a son. God even promised him that your descendants would be like the number of the stars in the sky. And the Bible says Abraham believed. He didn't ask any questions. He didn't ask for any conditions. He didn't ask for, you know, um, whatever it is that we ask for. He just says, okay, Lord, if you say so, then it's so. And I love the simplicity of Abraham's heart. Yes, he also made mistakes. We all make mistakes. But one thing beautiful and powerful about Abraham's life, in fact, he was called the father of faith. And those of us who are in faith, are believing with faith, are called the sons of Abraham. Hallelujah for that. And because we are the sons of Abraham, the Bible says we are blessed with the blessing of Abraham. We are blessed with the blessing of Abraham. Come on, somebody say amen. Praise the Lord for that. But how did it all start? What was the key? The key was believing. Don't stop believing, Benji and Michelle, and you would definitely do well in Osaka. Don't stop believing, Kenneth, and you will definitely do well in whatever God is calling you to do. Don't stop believing, Peng Ho. Don't stop believing, you know, everyone watching. You know, it's so easy to stop believing because our eyes wander and we are distracted by so many things and our, our, our ears are hearing all kinds of voices, naysayers and, and, and um, negative words. You know, our eyes are seeing the impossibilities instead of seeing the God of the possibilities. Abraham believed. Jesus said to the father of the dead daughter, remember this? The father came to Jesus, my, my daughter is dying. Would you please come and heal her? And as they were walking back home, the servants of the master came and said, don't bother the master, don't bother Jesus anymore. Don't bother him, why? Why don't bother him? Because the, your daughter is dead. And Jesus just turned to the father and said two words, just believe. No condition, no but, no ifs, just believe. Some of you need to hear this. Maybe you've been in church for too long. Maybe you've been in ministry for too long. Maybe you've been disappointed. Maybe your expectations are not met. Maybe the people around you cause you, you know, to be drained of every passionate bone in your being, you know. And it can happen. Some of, some of us just want to throw in the towel and give up. Especially in this time of pandemic, you can see the real colours of your church members, you know. Uh, 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 and I'm not just talking about ex-church. I'm talking about those pastors and leaders who are watching me from other churches. It can really disappoint you. Oh, wow, the true colours are coming out. They may be not as passionate as you, maybe not as committed as you, you know, and you feel like giving up. But you, are, you just need to hear two words this morning. 
Jesus saying and whispering into your ear very clearly and very convincingly, just believe. Just believe. You say, Lord, I have a lot of reasons why I can't believe. I have many excuses. God says, don't live by excuses. Just believe. Believe till the end. Touch the finishing line, believing. Even if you have to go to the finishing line, not in the way that you expected, just believe. Make sure you keep the faith going strong. To Martha, remember Jesus says, Martha, did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? What happened? Lazarus died. And Martha and Mary, who were sisters of Lazarus, they were weeping. And they were sorrowful because he was their only brother. And of course, you know, Lazarus was one of the best friends that Jesus had on the face of the earth. And Jesus delayed coming to Lazarus. He wanted to show that God could resurrect the dead. And sure enough, when he came, people were crying all around. Mary was, you know, really uh, in tears and, 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 and she was feeling uh, so down. Martha had a, you know, a little bit more of a sensible mind, enough to meet and greet Jesus. And she said, Lord, if you were here, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus said, just believe. And Jesus went up to the tomb and he said to Martha, roll away the stone from the tomb, Martha. Roll away the stone because I'm about to do a miracle. And you know what Martha said? She said, Lord, you might not know this, but he's been dead four days. Four days Lazarus has been in the tomb and by now there's a stench. You know, let me pause for a moment because I really sense the Holy Spirit saying to me to tell you, some of you watching now, that the stone needs to be rolled away from your life before the miracle can happen. There is a stone of unbelief. There is a stone of doubt. There is a stone of, you know, past hurts and pain and whatever it is that has drained you and has caused you to give up and throw in the towel. But the Lord Jesus Christ has come to you this morning and He's saying to you, roll away the stone. And I know you have excuses. I know like, my, like Martha, they're very legitimate. But Lord, He's been dead four days, not one day, not one hour, four days, Lord. And not only that, there's a stench, Lord. And some of you can even smell that stench. You're in a, in a situation, in, 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 a, in, a, in a place of distraught and despair and disappointment and you're thinking about your work, you're thinking about your company, you're thinking about your family, you're thinking about your finances, you're thinking about all these things, your bills that you need to pay. And listen, some of you can already smell a stench of death and naturally there is a stench already. But thanks be to God that Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. And He's here with us right now, there in your room, there in your home, in your lounge. Jesus is alive. Hallelujah. And He's Lord. And He's God. And He said, Martha, did I not tell you, if you only believed, you will see the glory of God. And I want to confess and prophesy that to all of you watching. You will see the glory of God on your marriage, on your family, on your finances, on your business, whatever it is, hallelujah. God knows your need even before you ask. May the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ come upon you in Jesus' name. Let me hear a good amen. Come on, let me hear it loud and clear from your homes until it reaches DVCC. Hallelujah. Praise God. Roll away the stone. Come on. Let Jesus do His work. Let the miracle happen. Roll away the unbelief. Roll away the reasons for unbelief. You know, there's a, there's a difference between unbelief and disbelief. Disbelief means from the start you never believed. That's right. That's what it means. Disbelief just means from the start you never believed. Unbelief is different. Unbelief is you believe once before and then unbelief came into your heart. There was doubt. Now, for the last 30 years of doing ministry, I have come to learn and discern when a person has lost their faith, when a person has stopped believing. Some of you maybe 
being a leader for a long time, you can also discern. You can see from a person's face, disposition, the way they hang around you, the way they talk. Maybe once upon a time, they were very jovial and laughing and telling jokes and they were joyful and they came to church joyful with a skip in their feet, you know, with a beat <laughs> uh, uh, in, their, in their step. Uh, and, 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 and they serve willingly and never counted. You know, was it two services that I served in? Was it every week that I had to serve? You know, never counted. But then something came in like the serpent in the garden, you know, slithering and whispering to Eve. You know, then the innocence became contaminated, corrupted by the acceptance of what the, the, the enemy, what Satan, you know, remember what Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, the enemy does not come but to steal. What did he steal from you, friends? Did he steal your joy? Did he steal your, 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 your fervency, your passion? What did he steal from you? Yes, he may have used someone's words. Yes, he may have used imperfections around you to steal, but he's not just interested to steal. He's interested to kill and to destroy. Are some of you already there? You've allowed the enemy to steal that joy and then you, you went in that direction and then now he's killed your vision. He's killed your dream. He's killed you know, the passion that you've had once before. I can see it, friends. I know it and you know it. If you look uh, long and hard enough in the mirror, you can see I have stopped believing. I am a man, I am a, I am a woman who has stopped believing. And I tell you what, it's a very dangerous place to be in. You have stopped believing. You have started to doubt. This may not be the church for me. This may not be the ministry for me. This may not be the pastor for me. This may not be the religion for me. I don't know. Don't get there because the enemy wants to steal, kill and finally destroy so that you and I will not end up touching the finishing line with faith in our hands. We would have dropped our baton somewhere and we, you know, we thought we were running well. You know, just like, you know, a few times already the American team has done this, right? We've watched it on, on the Olympics. Uh, you know, they ran so well first to, to, to finish. At least first to, to, to come in, you know, by the third runner, they were still leading. And then the fourth runner drops the baton. Don't drop the baton, please. Amen. Fight the good fight. Finish the race. Keep the faith. But I can see when people have started to doubt and stop believing. It's when the excuses start, doesn't it? Once upon a time, there was never excuses. Never, never, no excuse. Just exploits. The Bible says in Daniel 11, and this year is the year of Daniel, and for the next 10 years, next 20 years, we are celebrating you know, the, the spirit that, that was on Daniel, and we are celebrating you know, the, the, the strategy that was on Daniel. We are celebrating you know, uh, uh, just, just the vision that was on Daniel. And so Daniel 11, 32, uh, the second part of that says, They that know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. But instead, when we stop believing, it's not great exploits that we do anymore. It's great excuses that we try to find. And I can see when a person has stopped believing. Excuses. You're finding for excuses. Stop finding for excuses. Worse still, when a person actually don't even bother to give excuses anymore. They just say, forget it. Now if you are there, let me stop for a moment and just pray for your healing. Pray for your healing in the name of Jesus that God will remove the focus that is not right. Some of you are focusing on the stone that was rolled onto the tomb. Some of you are focusing on the people that hurt you. Some of you, some of you are focusing on all these things. And you know, X Church has learned before, whatever you focus on, whatever you focus on gets bigger. Actually, it was a very small thing, but you focus on it, focus on it, Focus on it. Day and night, you focus on it. Focus on what the person said. Focus on the imperfections. Focus on the lack. Focus on the lack. And you know, what, you know what happened? What was just an ant became a giant and began to eat you up. So please, do not allow the enemy to do that. Otherwise, you will not be able to finish this race. Alright? This is my loving warning and loving exhortation to you. People, people, listen. Don't let the love of God grow cold because if and, if, if and when there can be love, the love of God in your hearts, you know what will happen? You will always continue to believe because love believes all things. Hallelujah. Praise God. Here we go. Point number eight. Never stop forgiving. Never 
stop forgiving. What's point number seven? Never stop believing. What's point number eight? Never stop forgiving. Matthew 18, verse 22, please. Matthew 18, verse 22, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. What's this all about? A disciple came to Jesus and asked him, how many times should I forgive my brother? How many times? And then he tried to answer his own question and said, seven times? You know, thinking that he was very generous to forgive his brother on just one sin. Seven times. He said, seven times, Lord? You know, seven times I can do it, you know. Seven times I can do it, no problem, you know. And Jesus says, I do not say to you up to seven times, but 70 times seven. 70 times seven. Now, if you are a person that's good with maths, you would have calculated that and come up with 490. I don't think that God wanted us to do maths. <laughs> I don't think that God wanted us to say, okay, 490, please be counting. Please be counting. Okay, I forgave you once. I forgave you twice. I forgave you 400 times. I forgave No, okay. You are just one shot because I tell you what, I have done 400 and what? 89 times already, okay? One more time and that's it. You're going to hell. And uh, that's not the spirit in which Christ spoke. Christ, as far as He is concerned, there is no option but to forgive. Are you with me? There is no option, my friends, but to forgive. You must forgive. Now, of course, forgiveness is a choice. We all know that. You choose to be happy. It's not about feeling. You must understand that. It's not about a feeling. Okay, love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. You choose to love somebody. You know, I remember when uh, God confirmed to me that Pastor Sandra was going to be my wife. You know how he confirmed to me? I woke up one morning seeing her face at about, you know, I don't know, 18, 90 years old. Uh, and uh, uh, I don't think she would be like this at 18, 90. I think that she would still look like she's 40. But you know, in my dream, I woke up seeing Pastor Sandra, old, wrinkled, and with only a few teeth left. And she was smiling. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I could see, oh my word, this is Pastor Sandra without any teeth, maybe two or three left. And, and, and the word came to me when I woke up and the word was this, can you still love Sandra looking like that? And when I said, yes, Lord, I can, I knew this was the woman for me. Are you all still with me? Because the looks can go, but love remains. Are you all still with me? Very, very important. And why do I say that? It's because it's a choice. You choose to love a woman like that. Beautiful or not as beautiful, it's okay because you don't love just the looks. You love the person. A choice to be happy. You know, you don't wake up every morning, feel, oh, no, I, today I feel happy, today I don't feel happy. No, happiness also shouldn't be a feeling. It should be a choice. And so must forgiveness. Not I feel like I want to forgive, I feel like I don't want to forgive. No, it must be a choice. Yes, I just told you it's not an option because God doesn't want you to have the option A or B, forgive or not forgive. No, it shouldn't be on the table. That option shouldn't be on your table. It should be forgive or forgive. <laughs> Did you hear that? Forgive or forgive. What choice do I have? Forgive or forgive. Forgive or forgive. No unforgiveness. And therefore, because it's not an option, it's still a choice. You have to exercise that choice and say, I forgive. Even though, you know, the person has hurt us so badly, we want to hurt the person back. Or, you are, you are a good Christian, so you say, I won't hurt you, but I pray that God hurts you. You know? <laughs> God hurts you. I want God to take over and God, please hurt you. You know? That's why there was a problem with, remember Jonah? Because Jonah was ultimately willing to be sent by God to Nineveh to preach and the whole of Nineveh repented. But why was Jonah so upset? Because he said to God, I knew you were going to forgive them. I didn't want you to forgive them. I knew from the start, you know, let's make it a bit Malay. I knew lah. I knew from the start you are like that one lah. You know, you are going to forgive these terrible people. That's why I ran away. And then you asked me to obey you and then I obey you but you forgave them. Why? At least like, if I obey you, you still treated them badly. Let me at least feel good about obeying you. No, it's not about you feeling good about obeying God. Obeying God means obeying God. And I tell you what, 
I tell you what, if you had faith, you would know that forgiveness is for our own good. And unforgiveness is not good. Listen, some of you think that's just because you hate the other person so much because that person hurt you with words of, of offence or whatever, okay? You can have all the excuses, you know, to roll the stone onto the tomb, you know? God wants it to be rolled away, you rolled it back onto the tomb and then you are the one that's dead and you are the one that's stinking like death, okay? So you have a lot of excuses, but listen to me now. You might have excuses, but you think that by not forgiving this person, you put this person in prison. In the actual fact, when you don't forgive, you put yourself in prison. Yes! That person can still go around, whether you forgive him or not, that person still goes around laughing, that person still goes around doing well, that person still goes around whatever it is. You know who's hurting every time you see that? You know who's bothered with that? You know who's not living? Who is not living? You! The one who doesn't forgive is the one who puts himself and herself in your own prison. So don't do that to yourself. Don't do that to yourself. Never stop forgiving. Hallelujah. You know, I want to tell you something I heard just this morning. I was in my quiet time and uh, I was reading the third letter of, uh, of John. The third letter of John uh, in the second verse has this to say, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Now when I read this word, I believe that the Bible wants that for us. God wants this for all of us listening, that you will prosper. Come on, turn to your neighbour now and say prosper. Prosper and not just prosper, but be in health. How important is this prayer and this desire in the times we're living in? That we will be in health. But there is a condition. It says, as your soul prospers. So you and I will prosper and be in health according to how our soul prospers. Meaning that we will be healthy in our body if we can be healthy in our soul. So the reason why our soul doesn't uh, become healthy or becomes ill is, is because we have allowed unforgiveness. And unforgiveness doesn't just remain as unforgiveness. Listen to me now. Unforgiveness will carry on to become bitterness. And another word for bitterness is really cancer. Spiritual cancer that can very well lead to physical cancer. It will start to spread across your heart and your body. Do not allow it to get there, please. Come on, everyone, listen to me now. You can actually prosper in your soul. Listen, please. Listen from my heart because I want you to prosper. I want you to break through. I want you to fight the good fight of, of faith and run the race, finish it. And come on, keep the faith. I want you to do well. I want you to break through. I want you to be blessed. So listen to me now. Please listen to my heart. Do not allow. There is no option for unforgiveness. Just forgive and leave it to God to deal with this person. You, you start living. Okay? You start living and you start rejoicing. Let your soul be healthy. Let your soul prosper that you might prosper wherever you go. Come on, people. You understand this. Look yourself in the mirror and you know what I'm talking about. Don't hold on to offences. Don't hold on to your past. Be free. Let me prophesy over all of you. Be free. Come on, be free. The Son of God has set you free. Therefore, you are free indeed. Be free. Be free. You say, but Pastor, I don't have the strength to forgive. You forgive with the strength of the Holy Spirit. I pray for you right now. In the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, give my brother strength to forgive. Give my sister strength to forgive. Lord, give that family strength to forgive. Forgiveness is not an option. It's a choice. Choose today to forgive, to let go. And don't bother no, don't bother with the little things. Maybe it's the little things that still bother you. You know, you want to forgive, but then you, you, you go downstairs and you see that, oh my word, this is still not done the way I want it to. You know, that person still not talking to me in the way that I like. No, that person still not saying good morning to me in the morning. Yeah, that person is younger than me. That person should say good morning to me first. I, I, no, no, the person didn't say good morning to me. So I'm bothered, I'm bothered. Too many of you are bothered with too, too few and too small a thing. You, 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 you not only forgive, but I tell you, test this out. 
If you've been bothered, say, God, not only forgive me and help me to forgive others, help me that from today onwards, I will go downstairs, I go wherever it is. You know, what I used to expect to be done, I now no longer exercise the right to expect that anymore. Ah, did you hear that? That is going to be very freeing to you. I now let go of the right to have it done my way. It could be a curtain, it could be a table, it could be, you know, it's not put properly, it could be a tablecloth, it could be, you know, the way they wash the place, it could be, you know, them saying good morning or not. Say, God, help me not be bothered by the little things anymore. I'm not going to allow this spiritual cancer to eat me up. I'm not going to allow unforgiveness or bitterness in the name of Jesus. So I'm going to pray this prayer over all of you now. Beloved, I pray that you will all prosper. All of you will prosper in all things and be in health as your soul prospers. I pray that all of you watching will have healthy souls, free souls, souls that are not corrupted and contaminated with all these things that the devil takes advantage of in Jesus' name. Finally, 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 point number nine. Never stop learning. Never stop learning. People, this is very important. Now, if Benji and Michelle went to Osaka and they said, we have known everything that, that needs to be known. We have learned everything from X church We have learned everything that we need to know in planting this church. There is nothing to learn. I tell you what, that is their first step of failure. No. Benji, Michelle, I believe they have gone to Osaka with an open heart, with an open mind. Yes, they have already been equipped well to be able to plan something in Osaka. But if you continue to go with an open heart, open mind, and humble and learning, I tell you what, God will show you more things. Amen? God will reveal more things to you. But there are people like that who stop learning because they think they know it all. Uh, and uh, I want to show you first the scripture, 1 Timothy 4, 13. Now, 1 Timothy 4.13, uh, of course, is the, the, the verse after 12. And 12 says, Do not let anybody despise your youth. All right? That's the scripture. Uh, uh, and uh, I, I believe that's a very powerful scripture. But anyway, uh, 4.13 says, Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Wow. I just love the simple advice from Paul to Timothy. Timothy, don't stop reading. Now, how many of you can confess to me... <laughs> I know I can't see your hands, but confess anyway, you've stopped reading. You've stopped, you know, feeding your soul and your spirit and your mind. I mean, maybe the only time you hear the Word of God is on Sunday, where you tune in, and sometimes you don't even tune in after you have tuned in. And I pray that that doesn't happen today, but that you're really, really tuning in, because this is the Word of the Lord. But how many of you have stopped reading? You know, my wife and I, we have got the privilege of doing many pre-marriage counselling. That means that when a couple is ready to get married, um, we bring them through six months. Uh, once a month, we sit down with them, two, three hours, sometimes four hours. All depends on how much the couple needs. And we pour out our lives. Not just me and my wife, but you know, many of our elders and pastors do that as well. And we thank God uh, for people willing to sow into young couples. But I, I find myself telling husbands and wives-to-be, I say, when you're married, don't just give your brain to your husband. <laughs> don't just give, you know, uh, your intellect to your wife. You know, I, I, I remember many women would do this, you know. Uh-huh, news? What news? Uh, who is the Prime Minister of Malaysia? I don't know, Mahathir. Uh, uh, you know, uh, and I say, oh, hello, you are a little bit too late. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, someone will say, oh, uh, who's the president of America? Oh, George Bush. Listen, listen. And the women will say, oh, sorry, I, I don't read the news anymore. I, I, don't, I don't watch the news anymore. I just count on my husband. And I say, woman, please listen to me. All right, God gave you a brain. Don't stop learning. Don't stop reading. All right? Uh, uh, and men, you can be the same. You can, you know, be married and suddenly, you know, why sometimes we just grow fat and we become couch potatoes, right? Because we leave the things that we used to do on our own, we leave it all to our wives. What happened? <laughs> why, why? Why do we live like that? Why we, do we stop doing and stop learning and, uh, you know, get, get our, our, ourselves to a place where we stop growing? 
And that's the problem when we stop learning. Is we, 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 we actually stop growing. And don't you know that when you stop growing, you actually stop living? I'm going, to go, I'm going to go through that again. If you stop learning, you will stop growing. But the truth is, when you stop growing, you actually stop living. Anything in your garden that has stopped growing is dead. Even a plant, if it stops growing, is dead. If a person stops growing, is stunted in its growth, it, it, it might still have breath, but it might, it might have, you know, I, I don't want to be cruel, but you may, you may have stopped living when you stop learning. And I don't want anyone uh, who is listening to the sound of my voice now to see yourself come to that place. Do not, uh, you know, I, I, we, we also tell couples, uh, young couples who are, before they are married, you know, you can have a joint account. Because some couples ask me and ask my wife, is it okay that we put our money together into one account and have a joint account and, you know, from there we will buy this and buy that and buy a home and buy a car. I say, it's okay. It's okay to have a joint account. But there's a problem when you have joined faith. And what I mean by that is that suddenly the woman gives up her faith to her husband. Her husband gives up his faith to a wife and they put a joint faith. And you know what happens with that? It's very good when everything is good. Like the husband says, I'm going to go to church early. The wife says, okay, if you're going early, I'm going early. Uh, I'm going to serve in this ministry. The wife says, oh, if you're going to serve in this ministry, I'm going to serve in this ministry. And it's great. It's great when times are great. But when you have joined faith, the problem can be that when the husband says, I'm too tired to go to church today, the wife says, okay, if you're tired, I'm tired. The wife says, I don't want to, uh, you know, serve uh, anymore. Uh, the husband says, oh, if you don't want to serve, I don't want to serve. Now listen to me now. It's very dangerous to be in that place where you don't have your own faith anymore. What is faith? Faith is hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So if the woman is living by faith, you must keep hearing God's voice. Come on. Somebody say amen. I'm talking to wives now. Wives, listen, I know you love your husband very much, but you must still listen to the voice of God. You yourself. Don't just go and have a prayer uh, with your husband and say, oh, my husband and I are going to pray about it. And then suddenly you come up with a joint statement. No. Wives, go to your prayer room just like my wife does it all the time. Uh, go to your own prayer room and say, Holy Spirit, I know my husband has his own opinion, but I want to hear from you. Because before I was married to my husband, I had my own faith. How come now I must give my faith back, back to my husband? No. Listen to me, everybody, and listen very clearly now. Listen very clearly. I'm going to take some time and pause a moment. When we all die, and some of us may not die, some of us may be caught up into the heavens, and when we face God face to face, we are not going to be facing God as a, as a wedded, married couple. I assure you. Okay? Pastor Sandra, when she faces Jesus, she's not going to appear before Jesus as Kenneth Chin's wife. No way. And I, when I face the Lord, I'm not going to face the Lord as Sandra Chin's husband. No. I'm not going to be rewarded for what Pastor Sandra has done and she's not going to be rewarded for what I have done. Are you all still with me? This is very important because the Bible says that we all must give an account of our own lives to the Lord. Not just our lives, but our thoughts and our words, we must give an account. We will not go to heaven because of our spouse. We will not also go to hell because of our spouse. Listen to me very carefully, please. Alright, live on this earth like you were already in heaven. So I'm saying to you, faith, live by faith. It is what? A good fight? Why? It's a fight of faith. It is a race of faith. And you and I must finish keeping our faith. Don't give it up to your kids. Don't give it up to your spouses. Keep it. And when you have strong faith, when your husband has strong faith, guess what? When the two faith comes together, it's powerful. When two come together, Jesus will be there and He will hear our prayers. Are you all still with me? So don't give up your faith so easily just because you're married or just because you have five kids. Listen, listen. Every one of you must give an account to God for your own faith, for your own journey. Yes, you can say, God, I thank you for a good husband who encouraged me in my faith. Yes, you can say, God, I thank you for a good wife who stirred me up in my faith, but it's still your faith. So listen, please, don't stop learning. Please, don't say, I'll learn from my husband lah, when he comes back and tells me about what this book says. No, you pick up that book and read it. Or else, you read one book, your husband read another book, and both of you come and share what the book says, you know, and share in that way. But don't just say, my husband will tell me everything about this book. No! Women, listen. Don't be shortchanged. Mothers, oh, but I'm so busy, pastor, I can't, so I'm going to depend on others. No! It's your own faith. Never stop learning. When we stop learning, we stop growing. When we stop learning, we start de degenerating. What do I mean by that? When we stop learning, we stop growing, 
And not only that, we start going backwards. Do you understand this? We start going backwards. And people are moving forward. And sooner or later, we'll feel lost and isolated. We'll feel like, you know, is there a place for us on the earth? Because everybody's moving on, but you are not just staying put. You are actually moving backwards. And it's going to be a terrible, terrible life to live. So don't degenerate. Learn. I know some of you are probably 70, 80, 90, and you're saying, no, Pastor Kenneth, you don't understand. I don't like technology. Well, I also don't like technology. Do you, do you see my Bible? I still carry this Bible. A lot of you are carrying your handphones now and your iPads. I still carry a Bible because I'm old school. And listen, I don't despise being old school because God's Word is also old school. Okay? So there are many old school stuff that still works. Don't you ever call this Word of God irrelevant. Don't you ever call it, you know, uh, something that cannot work today. I tell you the truth. The truth is Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will by no means, will by no means pass away. That means after you died and left the earth, the word of God is still living and powerful, okay? So it's old school, never mind. I'm not embarrassed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it's the power of God unto salvation. But listen to me, you know, I still use pen and paper. I still do that. You need to understand that. I still do that. You know, when we had Eldo, I told my leaders, right, to put up uh, six whiteboards with mahjong paper. I'm still into that. I love that. I love the visual of that. And some of you will say, no, I swear I will, I will never use paper anymore. I want to save the world, you know. I will never use paper anymore. I'll just use technology. Yeah, I'm also old school in that way. But that, that shouldn't be an excuse to stop me from learning, people. Are you all with me? Learn. Grow. I'm not asking you to you know, be an expert. I'm not asking you to be perfect. You know, my father-in-law is learning how to use his handphone. He goes to the hospital and he, you know, now everything is app. So while he can say, I forget, he, he, he can't afford to forget anymore because he, he can't enter the hospital if he, he, he doesn't know how to use the app. And yes, if he doesn't know, my wife will teach him or his son will teach him or you know, a guy called Stephen will, t will teach him. And my mother-in-law, you know, I thank God they're using technology now. They're going to Facebook, praise God. That means my father-in-law, even though he's 81, he's still living. Why is he still living? Because he's still learning. Never say you cannot. Never say you don't want to. Never say I'm too old for this. Are you all still with me? This is very, very important because as soon as you stop learning, you stop, li you stop living. Uh, when we stop learning, we start depending. Is that true? We start depending. Talking about my father-in-law and my, my, my wife, you know, my wife takes him to the hospital uh, sometimes once a month, sometimes twice a month. You know, both of them told me this. My father-in-law told me this. My wife told me this. Uh, they see in the hospital, day after day, there are people older than my father-in-law who are there alone. Yeah. Because no choice. Some of their children can't take them to the hospital. No choice. They could be 85, 90, 95. But they're there alone. Do you know how difficult it is to navigate university hospital? Some, some of the doctors also still don't know where they're going. <laughs> My wife probably now is an expert, you know. She knows where the, they sell the curry puff and where they, you know, where is the nearest toilet because she's gone so many times. My father-in-law, you know, he, he still says to me, oh, but Kenneth, I still get lost, you know. But I keep telling him, you know, uh, my, uh, my father-in-law, you know, don't, don't say that. You know, don't, don't speak into your mind that you always forget that you are this, you are clumsy. No, don't, don't confess that. Say that, you know, I'm 81, I'm still strong and my mind is still sharp. Hallelujah. Confess, confess and prophesy into your mind and cause your mind to come alive. Anyway, there are older people who are handling themselves, you know, navigating themselves, being there. Why? No choice. No choice. These are the people that have no choice. They can't say, I can depend on somebody else. And some of us out there are too spoiled. We are too spoiled. You know, when my wife is not around, and that's very rare, but you know, there were times where she went out for missions and I, I was not with her. Or she, one time she even went to Edinburgh for Bloom without me. You know, for that one week, I did not ask my mother-in-law to wash my clothes. In fact, uh, since my mother-in-law and father-in-law has been staying with me for now 15 years, I've never once asked them to wash my clothes. But when my wife was not around, I washed my own clothes. I had to remember how to use the washing machine. <laughs> Please don't make any excuses, guys. Live. Live. <laughs> if the only thing you know how to cook is Maggie, me cook. Lah. Never mind. I also have never asked my mother-in-law to cook for me. Okay? And, 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 and I, wanna, I want to be you know, as independent as I can be. My wife cooks, my wife washes, my wife does a lot of uh, things, you know, in the house for me and for us. But I want to say, you know, if we stop learning, we will start depending. 
And what a, what a life is that, right? You depend on people around you all the time. No, no. I, I want you to understand, until the day comes when you really have to depend on somebody and of course no choice, then you know, God will surround you with someone or some people to help you out. But as long as you can walk, talk, you know, move your hands, have independence, have freedom, come on, live your life worth living. Okay, tell God that God, I don't need to be in a wheelchair because I can still <laughs> live on my own, I can still do these things. I can still think rightly. You know, I don't need uh, to be sick uh, uh, on, a, on my deathbed because God, I'm going to take the life that you've given me. I'm going to take it responsibly. I'm not going to stop learning. I've even heard people say to me before, you know, sometimes I tell them, oh, there's this conference that's coming up. There's that that's conference that's coming up. Christian conference. Good conference, you know. Uh, something that will help you. You know what some people will tell me? Oh, I don't go to conferences anymore. I don't believe in conferences anymore. Why? Because, you know, I've been to many and they all sound the same. Now listen, although that can be true, that's not the way to say it. Are you all with me? Sometimes the things we say are true, but in the spirit of which we are saying it, it's not right. It's not right to say, I cannot learn anymore in any of these conferences. Uh, what can these speakers say that I don't know? I tell you, even hearing that, I cringe. Because pride is a stench before God. And God can see our hearts. And while we are talking sense, we are smelling bad. <laughs> okay? Uh, so it, it's not just about you saying, oh, but I didn't say anything wrong. Word. I didn't say anything wrong. You know, but a lot of people go around, I didn't say anything wrong. Word. I, I said the truth. Word. You know one thing about saying the truth? Can I tell everyone out there who, who likes to pride on telling the truth? The Bible says, if you want to tell the truth, you've got to tell it in love. If you want to tell the truth, tell it in love. Speak the truth in love. So, if you're not going to speak it in love, then don't tell the truth. Wow, you say, Pastor, I never heard that before. Yeah, because you boast. You go around saying, oh, I am a man. I cannot tell a lie. I must tell the truth. But tell it in love. Otherwise, shut up. No, 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 no. I cannot. No, I'm a bearer of truth. Oh, boy. You know how many people you have hurt along the way? You know how many people you've cut down along the way? Yes, truth hurts. But truth with love will be that, you know, knife that will go in to do the operation, but it's a double-edged knife. One that cuts and that one that brings healing. You ask any surgeon, the knife is not just meant there to cut you up, it's to also stitch you up, it's to heal you. Every surgeon is there to heal you, not to cut you and kill you. Are you all with me? And so God is saying to us, don't stop learning. Don't be proud. Don't say, I cannot learn anymore. Otherwise, you might as well die and go home to be with the Lord. No, if you still have breath in you, learn. I'm going to close soon by saying a few more words. If we stop learning, we will start living in the past. You will start living in the past. You know, I will talk to you and you will say, oh, you know, uh, Kenneth, uh, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, you know, 35 years ago, 20 years ago. And, and God is not the God that wants us to keep repeating back the glories of the past. You know, sometimes, you know, people will talk to you and go like, oh, I think I told you this before, right? And you say, yeah, for the 15th time. Every time you come, you are talking about the past glories. Now, thank God for the past glories. But God wants to give all of us new, fresh testimonies. Are you all still with me? How do you get it? You get it by not stop, don't stop learning. Don't stop learning. That's the way you get fresh testimonies. New testimonies. Alright? That means even if you have heard this message before, open your ears and heart because there could be a fresh perspective that's coming forth. If you close it just because you've heard, oh, I think I've heard this message on forgiveness before and unforgiveness. I've heard this message before on, you know, don't stop believing. So you turn off the, the TV and you do something else. No, don't do that. That's pride. That's saying, I can't learn. But you know, God could give you 99 words that you've heard before and just one word that you've never quite seen or heard before and that one word can change your life. Do you believe it? Don't stop believing. Don't stop forgiving. And don't stop learning. Don't live in the past. And you know why people like to live in the past? I tell you what, my last point is this. Because when we stop learning, we start being proud. Yeah. We live in the past because there's nothing to be proud about in the future or in the present. You see, maybe you're a 65-year-old man and you're hearing a 35-year-old man say this, say that, uh, you know, say where he's been, say who he's working with and you're 65 and you go like, oh my, 
I've, I, I don't have anything to say, not, nothing fresh, nothing new. And all these young people around me are, are tasting so many good things. And so at 65, you're saying, well, uh, yeah, 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 I also, knew, I also knew this Tansri, and I also knew that Tengku, and I also knew that Sultan, and I also knew that richest man, and I also this, and I also that you live in the past because there's a certain place within your heart that you feel insecure. That's right. Pride is not just pride. Huh? Pride coming from a place of insecurity. Guys, you don't want to be an old man or an old woman living like that. And the only way is don't stop learning. Okay? Now, I also, by the grace of God, will be 60. I also, by the grace of God, will be 70. I might be 80 if Jesus tarries. I don't want to be an old man living in his past and feeling like I have to be proud to say something because everyone around me, all the younger people around me are talking about their glories about today. And so I don't have today, I don't have testimonies, fresh ones, so I have to talk about last year or last decade or last 10 decades. You know, listen, you know, a, bit, a bit exaggerating when I talk about last 10 decades, that means I'm 100 years old. So, you know, last four decades, okay, let's, let's do that. But listen to me, don't be insecure. And, and, and you don't have to be insecure. You don't have to be proud. You don't have to live in the past if you would say, God, I will not stop learning as long as you give me breath. And that's why I love planting churches. I'll, I'll end with this. My wife and I, uh, we've been involved in a couple of church plants. Uh, I was involved in the church plant in uh, Melbourne by the grace of God. I was involved in the church plant in Botswana. I was involved in the church plant in London uh, uh, and uh, even in Bristol. I was involved in the church plant and even yesterday when Benji and Michelle sent me some pictures of these uh, you know, apartments that they were looking at and they were saying, Pastor, can you tell us which one you know, fits, which one is suitable? I said, no, Benji and Michelle, you should tell me what fits and what's suitable and make sure that you know, it fits our budget, etc., etc. And then finally, I said to Benji and Michelle, I said, Benji and Michelle, I wish I could be there in Osaka with you because I was there in almost all the church plants and I tell you something beautiful about church planting is that when I'm here in KL many of my leaders who love me they say pastor please don't do the extras you know you just do what God has called you to do you preach you lead us you, you tell us the vision but let the rest of us in fact I told Peng Ho Elder Peng Ho I will chair if I have to uh, at 11am and <laughs> Peng Ho was so kind he says no pastor please allow us he used a very hum humble word uh, please allow us to serve you and to serve with you and I said, yeah, okay, those are beautiful words. I can, how, can, how can someone say no, right? When someone is saying, please allow us to serve with you, uh, to serve you. I said, okay, Peng Ho, I understand. It's not just about me doing everything. It's about, you know, people. And, and that's what happens. The SPO, the leaders in, in KL say, Pastor, you know, don't do this. But I want to. I want to also help with the cleanliness of the church, you know, putting the chairs back together. I want to help in every way I can. And that's why until today we are, uh, you know, in the homes, homes, CN7, you know, helping the homes when there was uh, a leadership, uh, uh, you know, gap at one time. And we stepped in and people say, wow, Pastor Kenneth, you still become homes leader, cell group leader. You know, you are, you're the senior pastor. This, is, was, this was that, that time. Uh, uh, do you still want to lead homes when you're a senior pastor? I said, no, no, no. It's not about title <laughs> with me, okay? It's not about position. It's wherever there's a need in the house of God. Come on, listen to me now. Some of you need to hear that again. Wherever and whenever there's a need in the house of God, I will be there by the grace of God. And so sometimes there's no need anymore because all my leaders are so capable. And so when I go and plan, the needs are great. And so Pastor Sandra puts on a jacket and an orange uh, 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 you know, uh, flower and I put on my tie. And before we put on that, we mop the floor, we put out the chairs. Uh, you know, uh, Pastor Sandra puts on the stove because we will cook for the students who are coming to our church. You know, maybe just 10 of them, 15 of them. Uh, and we will uh, you know, put on the, our jacket. Pastor Sandra will be the usher. She will go downstairs. If it's an apartment, she will go downstairs to the front door and she will welcome people and she will give out the bulletins. You know, and I will be getting ready you know, uh, for worship and for the Word. I love that. I love that because, listen to me, I grow every time I learn to do something new. And when we go to Australia, you know, we have to register the church. I've never registered a church in Melbourne before. We learn. I have to register a charity in London. We learn. I have to, you know, meet new accountants that I've never met because I don't know the accounting uh, laws in London. I don't know the accounting laws in Melbourne. We learn. We grow. I've never opened a bank account before uh, in, in uh, Melbourne, in, 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 uh, in London. I've never opened a bank account before uh, in, um, in Botswana. You know, uh, We learn, we learn, we learn. And I tell you what, because we learn, we keep growing. And because we keep growing, we keep living. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.
If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.axchurch.uk. God bless.